I am uh, I am fully recovered. Uh, I feel I feel great. I uh, got in uh, Saturday, uh, had had Sunday to kind of uh, get my legs underneath me again. But man, it's been it's been wonderful to get back uh, to East Tennessee and. Uh, it's, it's, it's Christmas time. You're, you know, it's a, it's a little cool. It's nice. It's nice. I, I associate, you know, December with cold weather. So it's nice. It's nice. I'm so glad to be back. And that's right. You said it was 104 degrees when you left. Yeah. Yep. Sydney. Yeah. Yep. It was, it was hot. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, how's your day, man? It's so good to see you. I'm the, uh, I'm gonna get to Had see a you great tomorrow. Day. Had a great day. Wonderful day. Uh, enjoyed it like usual. Yeah, good good so, day. It's yeah. uh, you pumped to answer some questions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're gonna get to we'll questions tonight. Uh, that's right. Andy's gonna be on, I think, and uh, I see Katie's comment. He's gonna be on here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I think he's uh, heading to an A forum conference uh, this week. But we're gonna get him on, and uh, for all the you know uh, fans of, of the Diabetes Tour guy, we're gonna go live on that channel as well. Uh, we got Helen from San Diego here. This is incredible. Helen, thank you so much for, for hanging out. Uh, I wish I was in San Diego. I know, right I know. That, that actually sounds uh, phenomenal, Helen. Uh, I might like, you know, that type of, you know, 75, 72, that type of weather. Uh, but you guys know the drill. We do, we're answering live questions tonight, all your health and wellness questions with Dr. Rogers. If you have a question, go ahead and put it in the comments. We're going to take a few that came in throughout the week. Uh, Doc, thank you for the time tonight. We're going to have a blast. And uh, we're going to start with a uh, one of my favorite types of questions, which has to do a little bit with, you know, uh, getting your nutrients from food versus supplementing. Uh, we talk a lot about supplements on here and and. Uh, this question was just perfect. It was one of those uh, absolutely perfect questions for this crowd. Uh, if one egg yolk has between 67 and 192 micrograms of vitamin K2, and I eat anywhere from one to three whole eggs a day, do I still need to take my supplemental 180 MCG of K2 with my vitamin D? Um, this is a great question, and I'm interested to hear wow. your thoughts on this. Yeah, I didn't know. The egg yolk had that much in it. You know, the yolk is the best part of the egg for sure. You know, these people that just eat the egg whites are really shortchanging themselves. As a matter of fact, a lot of people throw the whites away for some reason. I'm forgetting why, but um, the yolk is the best part of it. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great if you can get that much. I'd probably, you know, eat three eggs a day, assuming, you know, they digest well with you and do well. But, yeah, that'd be just as good as taking a supplement. So yeah, I'm all for it. Would you be concerned great, about, about taking idea. too much? Uh, so say you supplement as well as taking. No, no, it wouldn't hurt you. It's kind of self-regulating. Okay. You know, it's not the kind of K2 that's going to cause blood clotting and things like that. So, okay. um, yeah, that's great though. It's a good point. Uh, you know, I really wish people could eat their way to get enough vitamins. It's just really hard, uh, to get enough, um, of the vitamins in your food these days, at least. But, um, you know, gosh, I was reading something yesterday about these special eggs that came from somewhere in California. I forget. It was a lady that's really in the nutrition, organic farming, etc. And her chickens were special chickens, but her eggs which are way more nutritious and probably better tasting than the normal eggs 
um, cost $20 uh, a dozen. Really? It's a high price for eggs. Yeah. That is a high price. Um, $20. Probably the best way to do is just, you know, get your own chicken coop. You know, one night we actually had a couple of chickens on here. Remember that? I do. I do. But yeah, you know, feed them the proper stuff because even, um, even pastured chickens are, are fed stuff that's probably not the most nutritious things. And this lady, I forget what she fed them, but it was just amazing the quality of these eggs. Makes me want to try one, but uh, I, I'll have more. I'll tune in for more information on that. That's interesting. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, uh, more and more people, I think, are becoming concerned about, you know, uh, uh, clean eating and stuff like that. So I think that sort of thing, we're going to see more of it. Uh, I still think eggs are probably the perfect food. Or even better than that is uh, grass-fed beef liver. Yeah. That's probably the most nutrition packed thing you could eat you know which i eat occasionally uh that is super interesting and, and great question around eggs and I, i'm i'm going to kind of interpretate your answer here as or interpret that in this case you're saying you don't need the k2 to supplement with so you just right. take the the 5000 of vitamin d3 yeah. along with your eggs yeah that'd be cool. fine but it wouldn't hurt you if you took the K extra K2 as well. All right. Uh, John, on YouTube, I see your question. I love that question around water. Uh, Linda, I see your question. Love that. Uh, as well as Velma, thank you guys for putting those questions in. If you got a question for Doc, go ahead and put them in there. Uh, we're going to get to them in just a second. Um, and then we're going to get to, let's see, this one came over on Instagram. Uh, what is a good supplement for arthritis pain? Um, super interesting. Um, yeah, that's a great question. The ones I take because I'm old, I definitely have some arthritis. Um, turmeric, which is curcumin, um, in supplement form is number one with me, probably. Uh, MSM, um, chondroitin. I like, I also take a, a collagen supplement, I think helps a little bit. Um, and I'm a big believer in a, a, a daily aspirin. Um, low dose aspirin for a lot of reasons um not only for to tamp down that inflammatory index but also uh, it's a good cancer preventer believe it or not um so those would probably be the best three uh, omegas probably help um gosh there's a lot of other esoteric ones out there but um i think those are my favorite um, would you say take all of them or is there like a, like an order in which you would, you would choose, choose from um, that? You know, it just depends on how severe the problem is. If you, if you take turmeric and it's what you don't need anything else, just do that. Just add them one at a time, mm. but really turmeric, then probably MSM, um, then chondroitin. I don't know why I'm not thinking of some of the other ones off right off the bat collagen, uh, omega threes, um, glucosamine is not supposed, you know, it really hasn't been shown to be that effective. So I like the MSM by itself rather than glucosamine with chondroitin and MSM. That's where your money is in the MSM, I think, but, uh, good hydration, uh, movement, those type things. 
Um, very good for your joints. One um, other thing I'll, I'll, I'll mention here, just because I, I, I like to kind of, uh, I think it's fun to clue people in on on what I see you guys doing. And uh, mom does that Avacyn quite a bit. Um, and I, I don't know if that's for, I, I know th- she had arthritic, hand, she had some arthritis in her hands, and that seemed to have helped a little bit um, with her. So I think that's also a cool thing, but it's not a supplement. No, um, no. So super interesting. Hyaluronic acid supplements yeah. are pretty good. Um, HAs. So All right, we're going to keep moving here. This question uh, came through email. Where do you like to see estradiol for 60 year old males? If estradiol is high or low in a male, what does this mean? I'm going to kind of reference back to your conversation with Diana this morning. Um, you guys both mentioned that when you check an estradiol level of a 60 year old male and female, uh, a lot of the times the male's estrogen level or estradiol level will be higher than the females. Sometimes, yeah, if, if the patient's obese and the woman is in menopause and has no estrogen replacement, then that, I've seen that a lot. Um, you know, both men and women need estradiol, just like both men and women need testosterone. Um, so in a male, obviously, I like to keep their levels on the lower side, Um Probably, you know, they say anywhere from 20 to 30 is, is the best number. I think 30 is a really good number. You know, I used to be more aggressive with trying to get um, estradiol levels down than I am now um, with um, aromatase inhibitors. But um, I usually accept, I really won't put you on that unless it gets pretty high, like a nastrozole and that type thing, you know, in the 70 range otherwise i like to use zinc um, and uh, dim or broccoli extract to bring high levels down men need some estrogen for heart protection and for bone health Um, but they don't you don't want to get it too high um, because it can cause other bad side effects including prostate problems it's not testosterone that causes the prostate problem it's getting your estrogen level too high you know, you can get gynecomastia and probably the increase in heart disease if it's too high. And if you get it too low, you know, if you get it below 10, I don't like to see it uh, that low because um, you lose your heart and bone protection mainly and probably also cognitive function. Estrogen is important for that. Um, you know, a lot of times I see a man that comes to me initially with very low T not on replacement and it usually has a really low estradiol level as well so some of that testosterone when you replace it's going to aromatize into into some estradiol which is healthy you just don't want to get it too you don't want to get it too high for sure um and you don't want to block it down too low as, as well so i tend to use more of the natural stuff like zinc dim broccoli extract uh, those type of things but uh, that's a great question so, um, so you're saying, um, less than 10, is it less than 10? No, ideally is about 30, ideally 20 30. to 30. Okay. You don't want it less than 10. Okay. You don't want it really less than 15 probably. Okay. Um, but it, usually if you're getting testosterone, if it's that low, you usually have low T along with it. You replace the testosterone and the uh, estrogen bumps up a little bit to where you want it. Okay. You just have to watch it. Uh, it's a great question. It, it really, uh, it, it brings to light just how uh, 
complex uh, hormones are. It, it really is. When they say balance your hormones, it is the that is the truth. Um, I see. Uh, I'm going to put this up here from Michelle. It has to do with our last question. Uh, tart cherry peels. I'm assuming yeah. this has to do with uh, arthritis. Yeah, um, or drink it too. Yeah, tart cherry is really good for arthritis. Um, thank you, Michelle, for uh, for putting that in there. Uh, Jasmine, I see you. Jasmine, our esthetician in West Knoxville. So glad to see you in here. I see Carter's in here. Carter, thank you so much. I know you guys had a, a, a busy day today. Thank you for hanging out tonight. Um, I see coal miner's daughter, uh, Dickinson County. What's going on? Great to see you. Um, we're going to keep moving here, and we'll get to live questions here uh, shortly. Uh, this one's a, a, another hormone question. Um, is there an increased risk for cardiovascular events when taking testosterone replacement uh, low T? My dad died in, the, in his 80s of a heart attack, and my oldest brother had one at 60. Goes on to say, I took testosterone for low T for a year and felt great, but stopped because I was worried about cardio events. I had a stress test done and had great results. So just wanted your opinion. So it seems that uh, that this listener is a, a little worried uh, based on family history. Um, what, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I had that same question in the office today. That's really interesting. I'll tell you about it. But no, testosterone does not cause heart disease. And it does not cause prostate problems either. Um, you have to know what you're doing. Uh, but just like I said, if it's aromatizing too much to very high estrogen levels, it could increase your risk slightly. But And you also, when you're on testosterone, have to watch your hematocrit, your red blood cell count, because it can thicken your blood up, which is usually a good thing. But if it gets too thick, um, it makes your blood too sludgy. So you need to donate blood if that happens. Probably 5% of my patients need to donate blood occasionally. Mm. So you keep a good eye on your estrogen levels, keep a good eye on your um, hematocrits. And actually, uh, testosterone is very good for your heart. Um, think about get, who has heart disease, men with low T. So it's very protective of your heart. As a matter of fact, you have more receptors for testosterone in, in your cardiac muscles than you do in your testicles. So that's, that's very telling. So, you know, unfortunately, a lot of cardiologists, um, don't like you when you're on, don't like it when you're on testosterone, mainly because they don't know much about hormone therapy. Um, so that's an old outdated concept, just like it's an outdated concept that testosterone causes prostate cancer. It does not cause prostate cancer. If your estrogen level gets too high, it could increase uh, the growth of the prostate, but, um, but no, it doesn't cause it. As a matter of fact, today I went over with the guy, um, he needs, uh, a joint replacement and he went to, he needed pre-op clearance from a, uh, cardiologist. The cardiologist noticed that his blood was a little bit thick. Um, and he knows he's on testosterone replacement. He took him off of it. Um, because of that, when all you need to do is donate some blood, you know, it doesn't increase the risk. Like I said, as long as you know what you're doing with monitoring uh, levels, especially that hematocrit and your estradiol level. So, you know, I would be more worried about um, having a heart attack with low testosterone, not high normal testosterone where we want it, you know. Um, so there's a lot of stuff you can do. You had a heart workup. It's good. Your, your heart's okay. Um, 
just keep your blood pressure normal. Don't develop diabetes. Don't smoke. Um, and you'll be fine. But yeah, think, get on testosterone replacement. Very protective. Uh, just make sure you do it with somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, that's a great question. That's very misunderstood hormones. Um, kind of like women's hormones are very misunderstood as well. But um, a good book for you to read would be Testosterone for Life by Dr. Abraham Morgan Taller. He's the chief of urology at Harvard. He's kind of the guru of testosterone replacement. And he comes to most of our meetings. But if, if you read that book, you'll be afraid not to take testosterone. Uh, so that's my thoughts on it. I'm going to you know put my, my myself in, in, in this listener's shoes for a second and just... I, I probably am going to a cardiologist. Like, how do I talk to my cardiologist? Um, because it, it's probably pretty uh, influencing if my cardiologist really is like saying, hey, yeah. this is a bad idea. I'm, I might yeah. get a little nervous. Um, how do you talk to your cardiologist about, uh, about stuff like this? You march right up to your cardiologist and say, you don't know Jack. Did you train with hormones? I'm kidding. He's kidding. No, just be nice about it. Just be nice about it and say, I'm going to Dr. Rogers. I see many cardiologists in my practice that believe me, I have on testosterone and say, well, you know, you, you know, I'm really going to leave that up to Dr. Rogers, my primary care doctor who specializes in hormone evaluation treatment. You know, as long as I keep an eye on my hematocrit, I need to donate blood, not give up testosterone. And you know, they'll understand it and maybe even send them a copy of the book, Testosterone for Life. Um, how can you argue with a Harvard professor? But uh, it's just, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, everybody has their own little niches. And, you know, like I, I've said many times, doctors tend to be a little arrogant and what they don't know much about, they poo-poo. So obviously, they don't, he doesn't know much about testosterone replacement and what to do about it. But, uh, you know. Um, sometimes doctors, you know, we're trained to do no harm. Well, that, that hurts a lot of people because that means you're not going to do anything good for the patient either. You're not going to take any risk. You don't know what you're doing, do nothing. Kind of like the COVID situation. We don't know how to treat it. We're doing nothing. Come back when you can't breathe. We'll put you on a ventilator. Um, so you have to look at that with a, you know, kind of a skewed eye. So Go do your research and make your own decision. This is your body. The guy, the guy that the, his cardiologist took off the teeth felt awful. He won't heal as well from his, his uh, joint replacement either unless he's on testosterone. So I've put him right back on it, and uh, he'll be happy. Uh, I, I love this comment from Karen uh, because I, 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 I would feel the same well, the same way, you know. So there, there's definitely like you know, tactful ways to, to, to go about it to where you can still, you know, have a good relationship. Yeah. I'm very tactful about it. I'm kind of kidding about that, but yeah, I always want to keep a good relationship with the cardiologist and all specialists, but you know, doctors have their place and if they don't know a lot about something, they shouldn't be giving you advice. They should go, uh, you might want to go down to performance medicine and ask them about it, you know, and let them manage it. Um, so it's such a good question. And I, I really appreciated this because, uh, one, you know, I know that this sort of scenario, uh, is one of the, you know, couple of different common scenarios that turns people off of, of, of hormones. And it really is a, um, unfortunate, um, yeah. What the, what the women's health initiative did for women's 
denying a whole generation of women from hormone replacement therapy was was just sad. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Um, thank you so much for that question. Uh, thank you to, to everyone who sends questions in uh, uh, during the week. That always kind of uh, brightens my, my day to see some of these questions come through. Uh, we're going to get to the live comments here. I see Terry's in here. Terry, welcome in. Uh, Edna, great question. Lisa, what's up? Great to see you. Anthony, what's going on? Tracy, welcome in. Good evening. Uh, gosh, so many, uh, so many friends in here tonight. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, if you have a question, uh, we're going to get to every single one. Uh, we're going to start with uh, one step forward here over on YouTube. Um, after eating a whole food diet and seeing the results in the downfall of processed food. Okay. What about our pets? Would they not benefit, benefit from a whole food diet? Thanks for the podcast. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Um, Merry Christmas. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, your pets are very important and gosh, they can get a lot of junk food. I've talked to our vet about that and they're, they're huge on that. If you feed your dog junk, they're going to not be healthy. So I agree. Um, you know, I'm not an expert uh, as far as what to tell you to, to feed them because, you know, dogs definitely have different types of stomachs than we do. Um, but, yeah, talk to your vet. There, there's a lot of dog food out there that's um, kind of a whole – based on a whole food diet, not processed. So very important. If your dog is, is sick, it's usually because of what they're eating yeah. almost every time. Yeah. Uh, so great comment. Uh, thank you, One Step Forward, for putting that in there. I'm going to put this up here. Uh, one, because I, I didn't realize this, Alyssa, but you are in the absolute perfect place. And uh, one, because uh, Dr. Rogers uh, has been a parent of a type 1 for, uh, gosh, 25, 26 years. Uh, yeah, a long two time. type 1s. Well, two type, we have two type 1 children. And, um, yeah, um, you know... It's a it's a hard diagnosis at first to kind of accept, but there's a lot worse things, believe yeah. me, and it can be managed, especially these days. Um, but you really might want to uh, go to my son Andy's channel. Yep. Um, Andy's my partner, and he's he's great with uh, kid diabetics and talk. He'll be glad to talk with your son, yeah. and uh, so actually. Andy is, is an amazing uh, diabetic provider. He lectures to medical students and residents, and they send him down to Atlanta and different cities to kind of teach about diabetes. He was, he was interested in diabetes yeah. way before he came down with it yeah. uh, because his sister, they're very close in age, very close to her, and when she came down with it, he went to all her appointments and I remember he even uh, made up jars and took them to the local stores in the mall and and uh, donate to Juvenile Diabetes Association. And he, he went to Washington as a juvenile diabetic um, representative yeah. it, before he was a diabetic. And then I remember the day I diagnosed him with diabetes um, because he was very weak and had the typical symptoms that came on very suddenly after he ran a, uh, a, uh, 8k race. And, uh, so I checked it, checked his sugar and it was 900. Of course, you know, uh, I told him, you're Andy, you're a diabetic, just like Kelly is. 
and he knew what she had to go through. And he said, great. And not great, but great. He like he was happy about it. And, and uh, I said, did you hear what I told you? You have type one diabetes, you know, like Kelly, we got to start giving you insulin now. And he says, great. You know, now I can help Kelly more, mm. you know, and that was a true story. Yeah. No, By the true. end of the night, he'd had every uh, box of food labeled, how many carbs was in it, et cetera. And since that time, he's been really up on everything diabetes. His, his diabetes, knock on wood, has always been well controlled. And he's traveled all over the world. I mean, he's very knowledgeable about diabetes, especially he's done some diabetic skits for kids. He even wrote a musical about a kid coming down with diabetes. Um, it's called Andy and the Beats. Yep. You could Google it and uh, you could download it. Yep. Andy and the Beats. It's, it's the exact story of a young boy coming down with type 1 diabetes. Yep. And it's a very good, it's turned into a musical. Yep. He wrote it, wrote all the music, starred in it, and uh, it, it turned it into a book as well. So he'd be glad to send you a copy if you can't find it but yeah or, or I'm, talk with your 13 year old I'm, I'm just so glad that that she's here and and we'll answer any question that you have and one from a parent's perspective uh you know and also from you know a, a provider's perspective and and doc and and andy so thank you for for being with us and we have tons of resources for you if you need them uh we're going to keep moving here we got lots of questions um i'm going to go to john here on youtube what about benefits of alkalized, ionized, structured water? Water is a hot topic right now. Uh, should you drink tap water? Should you not? Uh, looks, oh, there we go. Just got handed Annie in the beach. Yeah. There we go. Give us your address. We'll send you a copy. We'll send you a copy, Alyssa. We'll, we'll send you a copy tonight. Um, uh, but anyway, about water. Um, yeah. You know, I've, you know, I don't claim to be the world's most knowledgeable person about water. Um, I think the benefits of alkaline water have a little bit been debunked. I don't think you probably need out, especially alkaline water from what I've read. Um, ionized, probably a little better. Um, structured water, I don't know much about it. You have to do a little digging on structured water, but um, you know, there's there's going to be pros and cons. There's, a lot of people believe you should drink, you know, your body's too acidic and you drink alkalized water. But the reports I read says it doesn't help all that much. I may be wrong. I may not have researched it thoroughly enough. So you probably have more knowledge than I do about it. Um, but, you know, I'm going to have to look structured water up. Um, have you heard of... Um, uh, my best friend texted me actually this today. He was, um, have you heard of hydrogen water? And he said, apparently it's like the new thing. It's where they, it's where they electrically charge the water to release hydrogen. Have you heard of hydrogen yeah, water? I think that's what I, I think that's what ionized water means. Is that what ionized water is? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's apparently a new thing. Yeah. yeah. There, there's a lot of talk about it. Um, and I think the promise of that's probably better than the alkaline water, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of talk about it. I don't know enough to really tater if I recommend it or not. You know, I certainly believe in filtered pure water. Um, 
know, so that's what we use here. Um, but great question. We'll look into the structured water a little bit more. We do need to, we do need to look into the, to, to water, um, just the different, different types coming out and the importance of, um, uh, like you said, uh, what's it, uh, now the Brita, the, the, um, filtered. Yeah. The one I have is a clear, the Brita, the one I have is, is better than the Brita. It's, it's, um, I have to get the name of clearly filtered, I think is the name of it. It takes out everything, chlorine and fluoride, all that stuff. Mm. Uh, super interesting, John. Thank you so much for bringing that uh, up. We're going to do more uh, more research around this, uh, and we'll bring it on to the show. Uh, Linda on Facebook is asking, what are your thoughts on Vespa? Are there any cheaper options? Um, I'll be honest. I don't know what Vespa is. I, I don't know why it's. It's a good, it's a good motor, uh, motors vehicle, motor scooter that they make in Italy, I think, but I knew you were going to um, go there. Very uh, expensive, very <laughs> expensive. I have read it. I have ridden a Vespa. Um, be, put, if you can, Linda, be a little more specific about what you're, you, what you mean by that. I know you don't mean a, <laughs> a motor scooter, but, um, Vespa. you're going to have to. I don't uh, know why it's not ringing a bell. Linda, Linda, give us a little more context around Vespa, and we'll, we'll get back to you. I'll come back to, to your question. We're going to go to Velma. Uh, what is the best food for fatty liver? Best food for fatty liver. Uh, the best food for fatty liver is probably, believe it or not, cutting out carbohydrates and getting on an organic, um, you know, non-processed, diet um you know I, I think if you eat good fats it's not going to bother you but probably you know losing i always tr tell people lose weight don't drink alcohol don't take tylenol get down to an ideal body weight um and take some supplements like milk thistle and and knack um there's even a lot of great evidence that if, if people are over, overweight, that the new uh, GLP-1 agonists like Ozempic and the new GLP-1 and GIP named Monjaro will um, reverse non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So, um, so I just say getting on a good, clean, low-carb, uh, moderate protein, um, moderate good fat diet um but and get on the supplements as well um i hope that great helps question, uh, it's a great question there velma I've, you know in a couple of different um episodes we've done on the glp ones that always comes up uh the effectiveness it is for uh, fatty liver the ozempics the uh we govies uh, don't eat sugar yeah. don't eat sugar um Linda's given us some context here. Uh, she's saying four high triglycerides. Um, so it seems. Oh, Vespa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's called by another name that I know it, but yeah, that, I think that's a prescription omega three. Um, yeah, there's a lot cheaper options. Those things are expensive and your insurance won't cover them. Um, yeah. I mean, I just get a really good quality, uh, Creole oil. Um, there's there's a lot of a lot of different uh, companies. Orthomolecular makes a really good one. Um, yeah, I wouldn't put the money out for Vespa. You know, just get a good quality um, 
krill oil and look at like get a Cleveland heart panel and look at your fatty acid uh, analysis when you get on that and see where you're at, you know, um, and make sure you, you look at your linoleic acid levels too on the, on your fatty acid profile to get that, get those bad omega sixes out like linoleic acid from, um, cooking with things other than coconut oil, maybe really good, uh, olive oil, um, and, and leaving out seed oils and vegetable oils. But yeah, yeah. If, if your insurance isn't paying for that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay for it. All right. Way thank cheaper you. Way to go. Thank you, Linda, for, uh, for helping us on that one. Uh, I hope that helps you. Uh, let's get to Roel on YouTube. Doctor, I've been taking a Boswellia Serrata supplement and seem to be helping with my feet pain. Any thoughts on this supplement? They say it works like an NSAID. Um, have you heard of this one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we pronounce it Boswellia, not Boswellia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always making fun of Ben for pronunciation uh, of some of these those things. I'm but. always due for... You know, between one and five mispronunciations. That was pretty good effort, though. That was a good effort. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's a really good anti-inflammatory. I should have mentioned it when somebody asked me earlier about that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it does work kind of like an NSAID and like kind of like curcumin does. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of other benefits by that as well. Um, you know, some people think, thinks it's really good for, you know, helping viral illnesses as well. So, yeah, I think it's good. All right, Roel, thank you for that question. Uh, let's go to Karen over on Facebook. Let's see here. I recently made changes to my morning workouts before work, and it's been fabulous. Asking recommendations on eating and vitamins prior to workout, I've learned I can't eat anything but a banana without getting sick. If my goal is to burn fat, should I avoid food until after workout? But will I have the energy to finish an hour uh, cardio class and strength training? Uh, Orange Theory, we're huge fans of Orange Theory. Um, after workouts, my go-to is protein, 30 to 45 grams within 30 minutes. Um, but I really like to see, uh, it seems more, um, uh, more something. Um, and if I'm uh, missing something here, but I think you can give us some. Yeah, I think the problem is that I, I do like the early morning workouts. Um, if you can do it on an empty stomach, I like that better, but it is tough. If you're doing weights and maybe orange theory, it's tough without some carbs. Um, you know, what I like to do is, um, of course I like methylene blue before workouts and, you know, you're still in ketosis if you're taking methylene blue. Um, so a lot of times if you want to burn your own fat, um, you, you know, you'll, you'll go do the intermittent fasting, but some, it's tough on some people, um, to do that. It depends on how insulin resistance you are. Um, but definitely, you know, I wouldn't eat, I wouldn't take my vitamins on an empty stomach. Most of them, I would wait for lunch to take those. I take mine with lunch and supper. And of course my nighttime stuff, like my aspirin, my magnesium at night, um, but I don't really like bananas much for a lot of reasons, but, um, you know, there's just, they taste good, but they're really high in sugar. I just, bananas is one of those fruits I really, is 
pretty high glycemic bananas, grapes, mangoes, melons. Um, maybe if you have to eat something, I, I'd recommend some berries. Try that. Um, and maybe even if you have to have something, get a little peanut butter or almond butter and see, see how you do with that. Um, I, I love methylene blue before workouts. And um, I'm, I'm kind of reading it as uh, it seems that um, she might do better without eating. It seems that she can't eat anything but a banana without getting sick. So yeah. it seems the food before. She, and it sounds like her energy levels wane uh, towards the end of the workout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If she doesn't eat anything. Yeah. Which, which can be true. Yeah. Um, but well, the methylene practice blue, around a little, little bit. The methylene blue would help with that because, you know, uh, that – apparently it's energizing yeah it's energizing for sure um that that's my pre-workout deal um actually what you could do is put make a little get a drink put put um some perfect aminos in with some methylene blue mix it up and drink it before your before your workout and see if that doesn't help you a little bit um trying to see what else you could add to that um oh you could you could even add some creatine to that um that's what i do that's the three things i put in in water before i and none of them are going to break it fast the amino acids are already digested um like, so you might try that little combo karen and this kind of goes with Karen's question from uh, Anthony. It's it's similar. Um, are things like aminos and collagen okay to put in into hot coffee, or will the heat break down either of those? So it seems that this is in the morning. Uh, aminos and collagen. Um, yeah, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. You know, um, especially the perfect aminos. They're already broken down. Um, sometimes I even put uh, creatine in my coffee. Um, all right, Anthony, I hope that helps. Thank you for putting that in there. Karen, I hope that helps. If, uh, if we need to clarify anything, let us know. Um, they'll get to, let's see, uh, Alyssa on YouTube. Uh, this is a diabetes question. What suggestions do you have to help stabilize blood sugar in a child that is recently diagnosed with type one? Uh, the plan is to get a pump. Um, what's your thoughts on this? Would you immediately put them on a, on a pump or, or keep them on shots? Yeah, of course, the, the plan is to get the pump. They're way better in a continuous glucose monitor. And that's what makes being a diabetic way easier than it was when my kids came down with it. Or even back in the day, days I first started practicing medicine 40 years ago, we didn't even have a glucometer. We had to check a urine um, to see if they were spilling sugar, and, you know, either yes or no. Um, maybe a little bit of a level on it. But, I mean, we had no clue. We didn't have A1Cs, so you're just basically giving insulin and hoping they didn't get too low. Um, but of course, you know, as a type one insulin dependent, you have to have insulin. And a lot of times, there's a little um, honeymoon period when they don't really even require insulin. Um, but it sounds like you're going to have to go ahead and, in, and give insulin. I'm sure. I'm sure you are, but. Um, watch their diet really closely. You know, that's one person that needs to eat more frequently and check sugars with the continuous glucose monitor, which hopefully you have. 
it's just a whole new ball game. You know, check your sugar every minute. And you need really, you need to watch out more about getting too low than too high. Cause that's, it's, it's somewhat more dangerous to be way low than too high. Um, you know, I'm talking moderately high, not right. DKA high, but, um, and again, but you could, you could survive a long time with hypoglycemia, but just if you got in an accident or something, right. you know, bad, but for a kid, um, you have to monitor them a lot. I mean, you have to wake them up in the middle of the night and when they first get it and kind of see now that you have the CGMs continuous monitors, you could just see what it is without waking them up because mm. you just don't want them to, you know, get too low. And hopefully they get symptomatic when they get low and can recognize a hypoglycemic episode, but have to have insulin. Um, and again, um, there's a lot of new stuff on the horizon. Um, you know, recently diagnosed with type one, there, there's a lot of even trials you can get into. Um, there's a lot of evidence that maybe you can prolong that honeymoon phase with some different things. But um, but the plan is to get a pump. Make sure you have a continuous glucose monitor. Have to have insulin. You have to have a really good diet. You know, um, I put anybody on a, a diabetic diet. I mean, that's the kind of diet you want for anybody. Yeah. yeah. Whether you need to feel good, lose weight, whatever. It's a diabetic diet. I know it changed what we ate as a family oh, all the way through. What does, what does Andy always have around for when he gets yeah. low? Um, is it always like. I just got a note here. <laughs> if you want a demo or podcast information on any diabetic subject, um, email Andy at uh, Andy at performance medicine.net. Yep. Yep. You can get information. We'll, we'll, um, We'll use these for, for more topics for Andy. Um, we'll put out very detailed um, yeah. videos uh, on this because this is it's a it's a very important um, uh, topic to yeah. to go deep. They need on. a lot of hand holding at first. They yeah. really do. Uh, so yeah, thank you, a... thank you, Alyssa, for that. Um, and it's uh, again, it's Andy A N D Y at performancemedicine.net. Um, we're gonna keep moving here. We got a couple more uh, to go. Uh, I gotta see where I'm at. Uh, apologize. Um, okay, let's go to Lisa here. Since I added K2 to my calcium daily, I feel like it has helped my knee joint pain and my hip pain. Is that possible? I've been taking it for many months now. Eh, I, you know, I don't know why it would actually help your, your knee pain. Um, although it theoretically could, because the, the purpose of K2 is to allow the D to bring the calcium into your bones, not your joints or your arteries. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's that you should be doing that anyway. So that's, you know, nobody's ever really told me that, but um, it's a really good thing to know. Um, but in theory, it should work that way. Um, so, and, and the D itself, could help as well. Hopefully you're checking your D levels and seeing. All right, Lisa, I hope that helps. Let's get to, it uh, looks like I uh, missed this one. Edna is asking, is it okay to take meloxicam and naltrexone together? Yeah, mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, they work. They're not, you know, naltrexone 
is, I don't know if you're taking high or low dose naltrexone, but, you know, it's an opiate blocker. But, um, you know, meloxicam, Mobic is not an opiate, so you don't have to worry about it. You know, you shouldn't take naltrexone with an opiate. But that combination is fine. All right. Thank you, Edna. Uh, we're going to get to Josie on Facebook. Is glucosamine and chondroitin beneficial to take or just take calcium and K2? You know, the um, glucosamine in studies hasn't shown to be that effective. Chondroitin maybe a little bit more so. But like I said before, I like turmeric. I like MSM better than those. Um, I like the omegas as well. Um, and as far as, um, the calcium, you know, I, I don't believe you need to take high, high doses of calcium, certainly vitamin D with K. Um, but you can take too much calcium. Most of the time I just tell people to get their calcium in their diet, uh, through eating green vegetables and things. Um, extra calcium, um, could, cause problems like kidney stones and it's probably the k2 that's doing you the benefit but check your d levels and see what that is too and it sounds like you're doing pretty well uh, with that so i'm not as big on glucosamine chondroitin as i am some of the other ones uh so but great questions we're getting some great questions tonight I, I tell you what i i say this every single week but uh the the crew here on the live q a show is so darn smart uh, I can't help but get smarter every time uh, we do this. So, guys, keep it up. Thank you so much for these questions. We're going to keep going here. Uh, and it looks like Helen's got a question on Facebook. Uh, how can glucose levels be high if you are on a carnivore or paleo diet? No prior high glucose levels prior to diet change. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, if you take, if you eat too much protein, it can turn to sugar, believe it or not. Uh, so there, there are different levels. So you might want to, um, I like a carnivore diet. I like paleo, but you could overdo anything. I mean, and your body has, has a way of turning excess fat or protein into sugar. You know, your liver may be, uh, because maybe you're not getting enough. It can pump out some sugar too. So, um, watch it, you know, what you probably ought to do is, um, course look and see how insulin resistant you are by getting some blood work to see and get a continuous glucose monitor and see you know what they are 24 hours a day if if that particular high protein meal bumped your sugar up you'll know what caused it that's the advantage of getting these gcms right now i mean you can really tell you can correlate what you just ate to what your sugar did and people are different too i mean you know gosh you could go, you really could go keto almost and sometimes see spikes in your sugar. Mm. Um, and you don't want those postprandial blood sugar spikes, meaning after a meal. So get a CGM and uh, see how much protein and get that right balance of fat, protein, and carbs. Um, I, I believe that most people don't need that many carbs. I'm not one of these that says you need 50 to 60% of your diet and carbs. I don't believe that. Mm. Um, but like I say, everybody's different. It depends on your activity levels, your basic metabolic rate, how much muscle you have, how much visceral fat you have. That's why that uh, in-body 
comes in handy to see where you're at with that. A lot of those things. So yeah, certainly could certainly could. I mean, you may be a diabetic as well. Um, so look at, look at those numbers. A1C, you know, C peptide insulin level. Helen, thank you so much for that question. Super interesting question there uh, around a, a low-carb diet like the carnivore or paleo. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm going to find where I'm at here. Let's go to Dave uh, around a migraine question. A uh, very common question we get. Uh, what are some root causes for migraines and effective treatments? Uh, thanks for doing the show. Thank you for being here, Dave. Thank you so much. You always ask such thoughtful questions. Thank you. Yeah, migraines are, are headaches that are caused by mostly your arteries get um, dilated. That's why they throb. They're usually one-sided, throbbing, you might have visual disturbances. Um, you might have some other weird symptoms. Sometimes you get an aura, you know, you smell something different or see flashing lights, you know, my migraine may hit. But they're common. They're common more in women. They're common more um they run in families um hormones have a lot to do with it especially in women mainly in women um because of fluctuations in their progesterone levels mainly i put a lot of teenage girls on progesterone for that very reason but you know there's triggers nobody knows what the root cause is i don't think um but there's certainly triggers and Triggers could be anything from the types of food you eat. Some people have smells, you know, a smell of perfume can trigger a migraine. Uh, fluctuating hormone levels can do it. Um, change in atmosphere. Even stress can bring on a migraine. Lack of sleep can bring on a migraine. Um, but once you have a migraine, you won't forget it because it's a yeah. pretty severe form of headache, disabling in a lot of cases. Um, so really, you know, hormones are the, I would say the most common root cause fluctuating hormones of, of migraines. Um, it used to be back when I first started practicing, we'd have to, somebody would come to the office with a severe migraine debilitating. These are the kind of headaches that put you in bed. A lot of times you vomit with them and mm -hmm. yeah can't see very well and they can be bad we used to have to bring them in have you know give them demerol and finnegan and send them home with somebody else to sleep it off now you know when then when the triptans came in like imitrex and maxalt um that was a lifesaver for a lot of people um and now we even have better medications that don't have quite the side effects of some of the triptans um like tachycardia and all those, um, their medicines like Nurtec and Ubrelvi, and they work amazingly well without, you know, making you drowsy or anything. The triptans, you know, you could function with them too, but, uh, seems like these new, new generations are better. There's even some medications that you can take on a daily basis, um, for, uh, prevention, um, that we sometimes use. Any, any, you know, sometimes we used to use beta blockers a lot or calcium channel blockers. Now we have a new type that, uh, cuvivic type drugs that work pretty well. Um, 
but sometimes even they use Botox to, yeah. to, you know, put all around your head and scalp and neck and, uh, to prevent <laughs> migraines. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of new treatments for migraines, but mainly, you know, learn the triggers yeah. of what causes them and try to, and the earlier you get in, the earlier you treat, the better. And there's all kinds of different ones, classic, common, um, clusters. Um, but they're pretty common. And, and all that helps. And triggers are different for different people. So just learning what, what your yeah. unique trigger is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Triggers, maybe a food, a smell, bad night's sleep. Yeah, I'm seeing, uh, atmospheric changes. D Lynn is saying bright lights sometimes kind of trigger her. So thank you for putting that in there, D Lynn. Uh, yeah. super, super common. Thank you, Dave, for, for putting this in there and hope that helps, uh, yeah. uh a lot of people here tonight. Um, I'm going to get, uh, let's get, uh, see this, uh, drug shortage question from Mark. Nearly 200 current drug shortages reveal that 84% affect generic drugs, which make up 90% of U.S. prescriptions. Life and death consequence of these shortages underscore. What are your thoughts? Uh, you talked a little bit about this with, um, with uh, Diana Harshberger uh, on the Common Sense MD today. Um, you know, how are you looking at it? What's your thoughts? Well, we've got to get independent from China is the main thing. We need to manufacture our own uh, drugs here. You know, like I was talking about with yeah. uh, Diana Harshbarger, you know, most of our drugs come from China. Well, she was saying the active pharmaceutical ingredients, the APIs. The ingredients think, come from China. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have the capacity over here to do it. Like, if you watch one of the Republican debates, Nikki Haley says, you know, we've got a place in Bristol, Tennessee, that can churn out 100,000 amoxyl tablets an hour. And yet we're getting them from China still. Why? So there's a lot of questions about that. Yeah. Some of it's politics. Some of it's heavy reliance on China through the years, you know, for cheap stuff. But um, we've got to just change the way we manufacture these things, um, where we manufacture them. And it's just, there's no way we should have all these drug shortages. Do, it's do you, poor management, for one thing. Do you think it, it kind of leads to, you know, a, you mentioned this morning again, you know, the importance of the, of the compounding pharmacies. Do you think, uh, you know, they've stepped in the compounding yeah. pharmacies step in and I mean, so it's not just hormones or compounding or pain creams. It's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, from life or death stuff, like you talk about, I mean, Johns Hopkins and Cleveland clinic, they rely on compounding pharmacists. Yeah. Um, so whether it's a unique thing they're compounding or just stepping in and making more amoxyl or, or something that there's a shortage of, that they're essential. It's, and it's, it's sad that the FDA comes down on them so stringently. Um, but that's our system right now. Uh, Mark, thank you for teeing us up on that. It's a, it's a great topic and one that you know goes uh, really well with uh, the episode we put out today on the Common Sense uh, with, uh, with Diana. Uh, thank you for putting that in there. Um, I'm going to put this up, uh, let's see from, uh, Max here on YouTube. Uh, did I hear right a few weeks ago that you're taking insurance now or a certain office is taking insurance? Uh, no, um, uh, none of our offices, no performance medicine, uh, has ever taken insurance and, uh, still doesn't, uh, and won't ever. 
hopefully not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now for office visits. Now we have labs that file your insurance. Sure. If we order an x-ray or, you know, that gets your insurance and, you know, and a lot of times we deal with PAs and all that, but for office visits, we do not take insurance because we don't want to have to, you know, see 40 to 50 patients a day a piece and give you five to seven minutes to spend with you. We just can't do good medicine that way. Believe me, I did it that way for many years. And, you know, and nowadays with all the electronic medical records and the hoops you have to go through, it's just impossible to deliver great quality primary care. In my opinion, taking insurance. Um, And if they, if they do great quality, quality care, taking insurance, you know, they're probably not going to make a living doing that. Um, but you know, we, uh, we're very, uh, see through, you know, what the prices are. They're very reasonable. Um, and you know, like I tell people, you know, if you can afford to eat out a meal once a week, you can afford to see us. So it's not that expensive. So, and it really has been great for our practice too, because, when I first 18 years ago formed my own practice and I, and I, I really decided what I didn't like about practicing medicine. I love being a doctor, but I, I got burned out on the way I had to practice medicine. That was rushing the patients through writing a script. See ya, see you in a few months and not really getting into the root cause of the problem. That's why I did the fellowship in integrated medicine. So what happened to me? So I didn't like dealing with insurance companies. I didn't like dealing with managers that weren't doctors that trying to tell you what to do. And I didn't like the EMR. You know, I don't like to be on a, a computer while I'm trying to talk to a patient. You miss a lot you're, while you're searching for a code. I mean, there's like 75,000 codes you've got to get just right or you don't get reimbursed for that visit. So you have to just say the right words and you're all, you're just making clicks and you're really almost forced to dry lab it, which is what a lot of them do. And so you're not getting a good quality visit usually, not all the time, but this, again, I'm talking primary care, you know? Um, so that's why I cut those things out. And what happened was um, I became a better doctor with more time to find the root cause of your problem. Um, I have my own schedule, so I have plenty of time to spend with a patient. Um, some of it's routine. Some of it really we have to dig deep. Um, and I got better patients. You know, I, I don't even, I don't want to I don't want to fool patients who are going to argue over is there twenty dollar copay or or fifteen dollars. I don't I don't want that kind of patient. You know, I, people that come to me want to see me because they're not getting anywhere in the re, in the medical system. So. I got better patients. And so I enjoy my practice. That's why I'm 69 years old next month. And I, won't, I have no plans on retirement. I love what I do. Um, so well, it, um, that's, that's why I don't take insurance brief, briefly. Well, it, it, uh, so. it, it's, a, it's a very interesting topic. And Max, I'm just so thankful um, that you brought this up because it gives us the opportunity to, you know, to, to even give more and more context around it. Because I, I see your follow-up here with the uh, – you know, so insurance covers, you know, prescription imaging and lab orders. Yeah. Right. And right. It's it, not office visits with the provider. Otherwise we're going to have to rush you out of there within seven minutes and come home and try to document things we never even did on you. 
It's just, I don't believe in that. When I, I, dream, I believe in transparency. I'm glad, I'm really glad you brought that up though. It's a yeah. good point. Cause unless you did it, you probably won't understand it. Yeah. You know, believe me, every doctor understands it. Um, but most of them just can't do it because they're too tied in to working for a hospital group and having people that boss them around that, uh, aren't physicians. So doctors are turning into rats on a treadmill, especially primary care doctors. It's unfortunate, but that's the way our system is going. Fortunately, there's a few people out there that, you know, have the time and maybe experience helps too, um, to maybe sort through some things for you. And, and um, I think the, you know, Max, is, I'm, I'm really glad you're, you're, you're asking these questions because, you know, one, it, it's, you know, we're super like, uh, empathetic towards, you know, the perception of not taking insurance and, and, um, and, and we get, you know, how it can, you know, turn off people. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, as, you know, as an office and, you know, all of our offices, we, you know, we try to find those ways where you can use insurance. Uh, it's just something that we don't deal with. You know, we don't, uh, interact at all. Yeah, you can you. file it. We can give you a super bill file. Of course, you can always use your HSA, you know, right. which to me is the, the best plan you should do. And really is probably to get a high deductible HSA and spend the money like you want to spend it. And what you don't spend, if you don't need it, you know, you get it, uh, it rolls over through almost like a 401k plan. So, you know, we, we look, I look at the economics of medicine very heavily. I have a master's in business administration. I went, I went and got an MBA you know, it's really helped me run a business. When I started out, I hung my own shingle 18 years ago. I wish I'd have done it 38 years ago, to be honest with you. But when I did that, it's a learning process. It really is. Most doctors, when they get out today, they can't do it. They're, I talked to one last week. She's a third-year resident. She has $500,000 worth of debt. Yeah. And she's coming out as a family doctor. You know, it's going to be a tough. It's going to be tough on her. Um, and she's going to have to work in the system to get money up front. You know, when you do something like I've done, you're going to have to be persistent and realize at first, you're not going to make anything to cover your overhead, but you know, gosh, it's expensive. So anyway, so I hung my own shingle out 18 years ago with one, or then I got two employees used two rooms and the concept, it was good timing because everybody's deductible went up. So, you know, mine's all transparent. What you don't want is you have a high deductible and you, and you don't have any idea what that your final bill is going to be. Your doctor doesn't have an idea either. Neither does the office personnel. So you're going to get a bill a few months later. It's out the roof because you haven't met your deductible. And plus they have to jack up the prices so high, hoping to get 30 cents on the dollar that if you're going to have to pay for it because you haven't met your deductible or it's not covered, then you're going to pay out the wazoo. You should, you know, you should have just paid cash in the first place. Kind of like, you know, we, we have cash prices on a lot of labs. You know, we try to find the, the right pharmacy for you. I had a guy the other day that I saw from Knoxville. I'd prescribed a medicine for him called Provigil. He goes to CVS, calls me back. I can't afford this medicine. The generic is $750 a month. I go, are you kidding me? And uh, yeah, so we called around. You can get it at Food City for $35 a month using GoodRx. So I really, I think I understand the economics of medicine. And, you know, 
I'm really kind of, uh, you have to be knowledgeable. Plus you run your own business. You have to, you, you get to know business pretty well, you, you know, and you understand kind of what works and what, but it's worked. You know, my plan has definitely worked. I mean, when I first hung my shingle, I had a few patients a day. Now, you know, it's just grown exponentially. It's unbelievable the backup of patients that want to see us. I think my schedule's booked out for four months or more probably. Um, and I just get great patients. Usually they require more time, so I don't see nearly the number of patients that I used to see because a lot of people that come to me, they're not getting anywhere with the medical system. And they, they have they want to get to the root cause of the problem. And that's a little bit, you know, more time consuming a lot of times. And it, it, sometimes you have to dig a lot deeper with like gut issues and everything else. But, um, but yeah, you know, the prescriptions and lab, a lot of people think it's cash only practice. Everything's cash, but no, it's just the office visit. Just talking to us. And, is and the, only the procedures thing. that we do. The whole oh yeah. Course. Like if we did a pellet or if I sewed you up or, you know, something like that. I mean, I think, gosh, you know, if you come into my office with a laceration anywhere, I think our charge is going to be probably $150, $180, depending on if it's, if it's, it takes me hours to sew it up, it won't. But, I mean, you go to the emergency room, you're going to pay thousands. You know, it's un unbelievable what these ER bills are. Um, so I promise you you're getting value for, well, for it, it, seeing us. One thing I'll ask just the people who are with us, um, you know, it, I think we should put out more content around this, around how to navigate, you know, the the system because it is it's so complex. Yeah. You know, where does my insurance work? Where does it not work? You know, I I, I want hormones. Does insurance cover it? Where does you know those sort of things? Uh, I really think people need more of that information because people have no idea, you know, what's happening on the on the the medical practices side. Um, and, um, and I think it would help a lot of patients. So let us know in the comments if that's something that, uh, yeah. would be interesting. That's a great, I'm glad you brought that up though, man. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, it, it's just, it's a crazy world medically. Navigating uh, that healthcare system is unbelievable. That's why I had a, uh, those podcasts with Diana Harshbarger. Well, and, and like, for example, you know, the, the thing that I think we probably do the most of is these uh, Cleveland heart panels. And we do the, you know, of course, the, the visit that, that goes over it. But no one w would pay cash for a Cleveland heart panel. It'd be way too expensive. So, but it's important that everybody know that the transaction is between the Cleveland heart panel, which is uh, the Mayo Quest Clinic. Labs. Quest Labs, sorry. Well, no, uh, Cleveland, Cleveland Clinic. And it's Quest Labs that runs the test. So it's, it's not our Quest. lab. It's between Quest right. and the patient's insurance. Uh, you know, performance medicine is not involved. Um, and sometimes that can get, you know, confusing. So, uh, yeah, but if you have a high deductible or, you know, plan, you can get, if you need routine labs like a CBC, sure. I think a CBC costs about $5, a metabolic panel, maybe 15. If you file it through your insurance, they're going to jack it up to hundreds of dollars. Yeah. So if you get stuck with that bill, you're stuck with it. Yeah. You know, you should ask for a cash price. So know, know what kind of insurance, you know, if you have insurance that covers something, you should use it, but you gotta be, you gotta know what they're going to cover yeah. and those surprise bills you may get, which Dan is working on in Congress. Um, you know, it can bankrupts people. 
Um, Super interesting. Uh, thank you. I, I know we kind of uh, we went on a, a, a tangent there, but uh, and, and I know that wasn't the the reason for the question. But thank you, Max, for for putting that in there and uh, letting us kind of. I go on a tangent. I get out on a tangent. <laughs> I knew you would. I knew you would. I'm like, <laughs> I saw that question come up and I'm like, oh man, that's a tangent. <laughs> I know. I get, I get on my soapbox because I know the medical system. I know uh, it we, we need to get this. Well. I used to remember my dad was an old timey surgeon. I remember talking with him in the, in the sixties about it. He, he thought that socialized medicine would come and it probably will at some point, but he always thought that fee for service was the most fair way to do medicine. And, um, I agree with him. Back in 1960, he would take an appendix out. Your total bill was $100 for the surgery, anesthesia, the hospital stay, $100 for anesthesia, for appendectomy. Andy, our son, my son got one out in Los Angeles when he lived out there. His bill for an appendectomy is $232,000. Fortunately, he had insurance and they settled for twenty. But so there's no transparency. Nobody knows. It's wild. Uh, let's get to Michelle here. She's been waiting. Uh, what do you recommend for nerve pain? My son has severe brachial plexus injury uh, and nothing seems brachial. to help. Brachial. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that can be a, that can be a really hard injury. That's interesting. I don't know how long it's been going on. Um, or how severe it is. And again, he may need, um, he may have had a neck injury or football injury. Maybe I'm, um, I'm just guessing, but make sure you find out how extensive it is. And then if, if it's just going to take time to heal, if you need something for neuropathy, um, six months. Yeah. Um, sometimes we use a medicine called Neurontin. Sometimes we use Lyrica. If it's not that severe, Sometimes I just use B6, vitamin B6. It seems to help neuropathies. Um, but, you know, also use of anti-inflammatories probably help a little bit. Uh, curcumin, uh, I like that one a lot. I'd use all the stuff I would use to tampen down that inflammation that he may be having as well. Uh, but he may, need, he may need a little bit of neurontin, which is a prescription medicine. Um, Anositol is, is a good one too. Yep. We do use that some. It seems it was a motorcycle wreck. Man, Michelle, I, I, I hate that. Um, I hope I'm, that, glad he's okay. yeah. I'm glad he's okay. Yeah. Uh, I hope that helps him. I see this from Jessica. We're trying to do a little rapid here. Uh, do you see long COVID patients? Um, I'll let you uh, answer. Every day. Every uh, day. So that, Saw several today. Yeah, about one out of four people that had a good case of COVID have long COVID. I mean, symptoms persisting over four months after you get it. It can range from the two most common things I see is fatigue and brain fog, sometimes shortness of breath. But yes, I do see long COVID patients. We use a lot of outside the box things like LDN and methylene blue. There's a lot of good treatments for it. We see a lot of POTS. We see a lot of tachycardia. Um, sometimes it reactivates Epstein-Barr viruses can reactivate Lyme. It can just cause all kinds of problems. Yeah. Still can't get a deep breath. Try some methylene blue. It's over the counter. You can order it. We have them in all our offices, but 
start cheap. I like it. Um, I really do. And, you know, I don't know what your O2 sets are, but you may need to look at that and get some pulmonary function tests. You know, you may have asthma now. And, you know, certainly there's certain types of inhalers, but, um, yeah, you need to be seen and look at that. Um, Jessica, I hope that helps. Um, and if you if you want us to, there's there's some on Amazon you can find too for methylene blue. That seems like to be like the immediate thing you should do. And also we put videos out uh, around that. Uh, we're gonna keep moving because I'm seeing some. We're, I want to make sure we get uh, to most everything. I'm probably missing some. Uh, my armor 15 milligrams 0.25 is working, but I feel if the doses were increased, I may feel even better. Do you increase dosages? Uh, I go to the JC. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, that's the smallest dose you can get. Um, you probably do need to increase it, but check your labs and see if you get too much, you know, you could risk tachycardia, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I like to, I like to keep it kind of on the high side. And a lot of times I'll go more by symptoms than a TSH. Of course, you need a free T3 as well. That's where the money is. But um, yes, that's a low dose. More, more than likely, you're going to need more. That's a that's a starter dose. Okay. That's a quarter of a grain. But um, uh, yeah, so look at the lab. See where you're at. And yeah, probably will need to go up a little bit. Uh, thank you, Kristen, for putting that in there. I put. Uh, I see uh, Max here sees Robin. That's incredible, man. Thank you so much. Uh, she Robin is the absolute best. Uh, she. I don't know if she's still in here tonight, but uh, uh, she's in our West Knoxville office and is incredible. Uh, so so thank you for putting Great. that in there, Max. She's um, amazing. Let's see where we're at. I want to make sure. I know we're kind of going rapid. Uh, Lori's asking about methylene blue. We've talked a lot about it tonight. Um, uh, man, it, uh, my my interpretation is methylene blue is used for quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, everything. How, how would you describe it? Uh, we use it a lot. Well, we use it a lot for it's a God. It's an antiparasite. It's an antifungal. It's an antibiotic. It's an antiviral. We use it a lot with COVID. Um, seems like we use it more now for prevention of UTIs. We use it for breathing, better breathing. Um, we use it for energy. Um, it, it helps cognition. Um, if I'm feeling that post lunch, you know, down a little tired fatigue, I just, that's, I take my little methylene blue and it perks me right up. They use it in the ERs. Um, every ER doctor knows where it's at because when somebody has a carbon monoxide oh, poisoning, yeah, don't give it to your dog. That's the only thing. Don't let your dog get into it because it stains them. <laughs> stains your, your carpet too. But, um, but every ER doc knows where it's at because it, it will save your life. If you have carbon monoxide or cyanide poisoning, they use it intravenously and it saves their lives within minutes. So it's a good oxygenator. Um, it's actually a precursor to hydroxychloroquine. Go to, go to, you know, I do a lot of podcasts and that's been the biggest by far podcast people listen to is the methylene blue. Yeah, use it daily. I use it daily. And I, I real quick, just because we're on the topic here, Michelle's asking the dosage. Uh, I'll let you say. I, I know what I think it is, but um, I'll let you kind of. Yeah, you usually start out at for routine use eight drops a day in a glass of water. Okay. Um, and and like Doc just said, if if you search for methylene blue performance medicine, uh, tons of stuff will come up on it. Uh, everything we've said on it. 
uh, is uh, would be under under that search term. We got a couple videos, a couple different articles. Um, uh, so so definitely, we're, we're huge huge fans. Uh, and I know I've I've probably missed uh, quite a few uh, people here tonight. I'm so sorry. I, I'm gonna get. I see Mark's question around the pharmacies. We'll get to that. Um, in fact, let's, this could be a quick one. Uh, do you know a hundred years ago, there weren't many of our medications made by local pharmacy? Would you know that? Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's why the, they're all mortar and pestle that they ground the stuff up. That's how they're all made. Those are the original great pharmacists. Mm. Good point. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mark, for that. Uh, and then, uh, Mark is asking, do you, did you ever find much use for Genetian violet? Yeah, we used to use that a long time ago. Yeah, uh, it it really kills a lot of bacteria and things. That's a great. I haven't heard that name in a while. But <laughs> you pronounce that good too. But yeah, I tell you, I, I'm getting I'm getting better by the by the week, guys. And I'm I'm gonna put this up. Uh, it acts kind of like iodine. Yeah. Uh, D. Lynn says we were great tonight. What do you think? Wow. Um, How do you think we did? I think it was good. I think I think whoever asked the questions was good. I tell you I what, hope we answered them well enough. But, the, uh, these questions were were incredible, and I I know I've I've I'm sure I've missed something, uh, but if I haven't, great. Oh, uh, got, Lisa, you. Lisa's asking about implanting the CGMs. Um, one, I know we've done oh, yeah. a video on that because I. Oh yeah, Andy's done that. They're easy, simple. Um, Matter of fact, Andy put one on me and I, you know, he demoed one, he put on me a freestyle Libre. So go in and look at, look at that. Is that something Lisa could do on her own at home? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. You know, especially if you get a freestyle, it's simple. Now, if you get a Dexcom, of course, they're going to have a rep come start it for you. Okay. So um, a Dexcom will come with a rep to start it. Uh, if you yeah. get a CGM, uh, what's the brand of CGM? Uh, that you well, guys Dexcom's do. a CGM, so is a Freestyle Libre. Oh, okay. If you get, you know, so there are varying uh, types. You're probably going to get a more heavy-duty uh, CGM. And some of them do a closed loop thing where they tell your pump how much to pump out and all. So it's really, the technology is amazing. Um, thank you. Ones. Thank you, Lisa, for that question. And, and there is, there we, we did a demo video. Uh, if you search for CGMs, uh, demo performance medicine that will come up on YouTube. Uh, and real quick, I, I want to put this up. I think, uh, I don't know if Alyssa's still in here. I know Jack is, will somebody send me uh, an email with Alyssa's address? Um, it's Ben at performance medicine.net. Uh, if Alyssa, if you're still here, I know it's, we've gone way overboard. Um, send me an email, uh, Ben at performance medicine, B E N at performance medicine.net. I want to send, um, I want to send Alyssa a book and I want to, I'm also going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get Andy to send, uh, your, your, uh, kid a, uh, a video, a personalized video, just giving him some encouragement and letting him know. Yeah. Alyssa's still here. Okay. I'll, I'll, okay. I'm going to make sure Andy get, uh, records a video for your son or daughter. And I, I want them to know they're not alone. Um, I know it can feel that way at the beginning. Um, but okay. you guys got tons of support. Uh, I'll send a video and I'll send a book. So uh, email me, Ben at performancemedicine.net. We'll get that out to you. This is usually our sign that we're signing off. We get the dogs on here. Uh, Notice they don't have methylene blue on them tonight. So real quick, and, and maybe maybe I can answer this, uh, but I want Lori to get this answer because it, it's it's like something that we do so well. Um, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's 35 years ago. 
is it possible to come off synthoid after all these years? Um, here's Ike. <laughs> uh, he wants to come on the show. Ike, what's up, buddy? Uh, but I uh, possible, yeah. Again, synthoid is not my favorite one to use. I, I much prefer NP or, or Armor. Um, but ninety percent of my patients just feel so much better on it. But yeah, I mean, it's possible. I've certainly seen it. You know, with changes in your gut and a few things like that, and some supplements possible. It is possible, um, but we look at your antibody levels and all this. And certainly, I like to I like to use more the the uh, the pig thyroid armor or NP if they, if you've never tried that. Most of my patients prefer it, but um, yeah, it, it is it's possible. You know, um, one of our PAs is really good with Hashimoto's. That's yep. Margot in Fountain City. Um, the patient asked us that the other day and her answer is like mine. Yeah, yeah it's possible. Um, Lori, I, I hope that helps. We're going to put more content around stuff just like that. I think um, there is a book you love uh, around Hashimoto's. Uh, we've done an article actually where the, the book might actually be in this article. It's, um, uh, it seems that they couldn't, they, they tried arm, armor, but couldn't get the levels right. Um, is yeah. What Lori okay. Said. okay. Um, so I don't know. Does that change your answer at all? No, no, no. Still possible to get off of it. Okay. Um, very slowly, if you can kind of find the root cause of it. I mean, if you're, it just depends on, again, if you've been on it 35 years, you probably have more parenchymal uh, thyroid damage. Uh, it's a, Hashimoto's is kind of like a viral illness that wipes out a lot of your thyroid function. Um, so, again, that, that, it's possible. Look into a lot of things. Your your adrenals are tied up when it. Sometimes insulin resistance is tied up in it. Um, inflammation is tied up in it. Um, but it, it's it's certainly possible. I've seen I've seen it. Uh, Lori, I hope that offers some encouragement. Thank you so much for uh, for putting that question uh, in there. Uh, one, we we get a ton of Hashimoto's questions, so thank you so much for that. Uh, Doc, man, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. Thank you for doing this. Oh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Thank um, you, Ben. Guys, uh, the questions were phenomenal. Uh, as always, we're going to be back next week, uh, Tuesday, seven p.m. Uh, we'll be back for live Q and A. I hope to see every single one of you here. I hope uh, you're coming with questions, just like you did tonight. Uh, if I missed something, I'm going to go over them uh, later on tonight and make sure I didn't. If I did, I'll get them first thing next week. Doc, uh, go do something fun, man. I love you. Love you, Ben. Good night. Guys, we will see you next week. I'm looking for my outro. Where am I at? All right. See you guys. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.